Responding to the Idolatry of Gun Violence in America, Part 1, with former White House Director of Digital Engagement, Cameron Trimble, on episode number 18 of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And so part of the issue I see with gun violence and other issues to social issues, uh, guns have become an idol god. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Bishop Trimble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Trimble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church, with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people. Welcome the, to the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Muller. Bishop Tremble is the resident bishop of the Indiana area of the United Methodist Church. I'm a retired elder in Indiana. Today's episode is all about gun violence. Episode number 18, and we're going to be talking about a response to gun violence from a church perspective and from a societal perspective and how they can be integrated. We have today with us a very special guest, Cameron Trimble. And as you might suspect, Cameron Trimble is Bishop Julius Trimble's son. But this will not be only a uh, a opinion piece of a father and a son who who care deeply about this issue, as I do as well. But Cameron Tribble comes to us uniquely qualified in the Biden White House, working as a director of digital engagement, where he worked on the 2020 presidential inaugural committee and was the director of African-American paid media during the campaign and into the White House. Recently, he took a position with PrecisionStrategies.com, a marketing agency which is all about it, it, his position there is the is a vice president, executive vice president, with uh, responsibilities for engagements with communities of color. So he has a tremendous marketing background, but he also is a man of faith. In our podcast today, you're going to hear Bishop Trimble's story about uh, his faith, of course, turn his passion about this issue about gun violence, but you're also going to hear about Cameron Tremble's story of faith and how he's been able to leverage his experience in the world of government and of marketing and business and bring to bear his own passions regarding this issue. Some fascinating conversation we have today about government, about a Christian response and a church response to the gun crisis and and marketing and other aspects of how we can respond to that in those ways. And we talk about the Bible. We talk about all kinds of things here today. This is part one 
of a two-part episode. We'll conclude this next week with episode number 19, where we'll continue our conversation about the idolatry of gun violence in America. But right now, I really entreat you to enjoy this conversation, very unique, very special, very powerful, of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tremble and Cameron Tremble and myself here on the To Be Encouraged podcast. Let's get into that conversation right now. And today we have a special guest with us on our podcast. His name is Cameron Tremble. He comes to us today from PrecisionStrategies.com, where he is executive vice president of the firm. We're glad to have Cameron with us here today. And uh, Bish, and we're going to be talking a little bit about gun violence and other aspects of the integration of how the church can speak on this area here today. But uh, Bishop, you have a special relationship with Cameron, and uh, why don't you go a little deeper into our uh, inter- or to our introduction of uh, of our special guest today, Cameron Tremble? Well, I, I, we're just pleased to have Cameron Calvin Tremble uh, from Washington D.C. and Precisions uh, with us. He's a, he's a, he's a, my wife and I, First Lady Raselda Granberry Tremble. Uh, Cameron is our firstborn child, and uh, he was born in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, was a resident of the state of uh, Illinois before being raised primarily in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I'm sure he's still, uh, we, 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 our three children kind of count Cleveland as their home. That's where they went to school and uh, left to go to college. So uh, he's a graduate of Howard University uh, and, you know, been engaged in a lot of good things, uh, including the Smithsonian African American Museum in D.C. and been a been on the staff of a Congress, longtime congresswoman from Texas uh, and the work he's doing now. But for a long time, he's been a communicator. And I think even from being a child, that's been one of his gifts in terms of communicating and connecting people, connecting people with resources uh, in order to address problems. Uh, obviously, he's a preacher's kid. He can tell you what that it was like. I was not a preacher's kid. I can't tell you from that perspective, but uh, we're pleased to have him because I know he's been uh, very much involved in this work that we're talking about today in terms of gun violence, addressing gun violence. So we're glad to have Cameron. Cameron, welcome to the podcast. He's heard me talk about be encouraged and work, writing articles and working on a book for 20 years around be encouraged. So we're glad to have him uh, to help us to encourage those who are watching and listening to podcasts. And we think this will be a fruitful time together. Thank you, Brad. Thank you all for having me. Uh, Bishop Trumbull, a.k.a. Dad, Dad, Daddy, Dad. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I've, this is this is the highlight of my week, month, and year to get to be on your podcast that I've been listening to. And, and thank you, Dr. Miller, uh, for facilitating. Um, really looking forward to this conversation. That'd be awesome. Well, Cameron, uh, we heard Bishop talk about you, how delighted and proud he is of you as his son. Uh, but I'd just like to hear just a little personal uh, piece of things that we're kind of getting our topic at hand. Uh, this here, just a little bit about your faith journey and about how that also led you into the work you're doing now. Just a little piece of that, please. Sure. Um, as, as you can imagine, I, I'm, I'm the first, as, as uh, Bishop Trumbull mentioned, I'm the firstborn child of a, of, at, at the time was a young pastor and preacher uh, who was growing and ascending uh, and kind of walking in his journey 
to leave his hometown of Chicago to go to a new city in Cleveland uh, as a young, as a very young pastor, young father, taking care of three kids, three young children, his, his wife and his, his mother-in-law. Um, and I got the firsthand knowledge and kind of firsthand being the oldest as my dad went from a pastor to district superintendent and back to pastor all the way up into he became a bishop to be able to see firsthand what it meant to to really submit to God's will and and, and walk by faith uh, and not by what your 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 own kind of um, your own will but uh, really submit to God's will and it impacted my journey where I went, I had a very different uh, career and uh, interest trajectory. I, w- I wanted to be a doctor uh, from a very young age and all of my, everything that I worked toward uh, from the college I went to, to actually attended medical school for two years before, but understanding that that might've been what I thought I wanted to do, but um, kind of through faith and through God first, really looked into my strengths and, and, and the, the tools and the, and the gifts that God had given me in the direction and the path he was, which I was unclear of at the time, but clearly was, was his, it's God's uh, intention and will given, given all the success and given the opportunities I have been able to have over my 15 year plus career um, to get into being really a communicator, a communicator and a connector. Um, so I've always uh, it's, it's been a struggle at times as with most folks, especially at, at such a young age, but, um, I, I stepped out on faith in terms of the colleges I chose, uh, Howard was probably my, Howard university was my fourth or fifth choice, but turned out to be by far the right choice. Um, um, like, as I mentioned, I went to medical school in Temple and I mean, that's a big undertaking, including a lot of money that you take on in terms of, uh, in, in terms of loans, but to understand that that wasn't what God had for me. That's what I thought I had for me. Um, and to be able to step out on faith, um, to have the support of family, friends, um, really have the support of his word. And then in those times over the, over my adulthood, as I've, um, as you go through some of the lows and, 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 and the harder times as you're trying to understand your next steps or the right decisions, really just reinvesting in the word, reinvesting in, in faith, uh, reinvesting in the Bible um, has continuously put me on the right path and, and has allowed me to, to, to use my gifts and be a conduit for, for good here, in the, both in the country and the world. So that, that, that's a little bit, I would say, that there's the abridged version. That's of awesome. That, and that, that led you to some really unique perspectives that are going to be helpful in our conversation here today. You worked at the White House and you worked on the campaign for uh, President Biden and you worked in the White House for a while. Now you're with a, a, a precision of a big uh, strategic marketing firm that has to do with uh, social issues, among other things. Just give us just a piece of that White House experience, a little piece of what you do now before we jump into our conversation here to give us just a little bit, bit more context. I spent a little bit more than about two and a half years in what I would say the Biden-Harris orbit. Um, starting on the campaign, I, 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 again, as an opportunity to step on faith and do something I had never done, especially not at that level, um, as the director of African-American paid media. What that essentially means is every dollar we spent to reach African-Americans nationwide um, as voters came through me and my program. So over 150 pieces of ad content. 
um, across TV, radio, digital, um, all of our special events and, and outreach to be a part of that strategic, the strategy, whether it's writing some of those words, uh, approving, looking at all the data, understanding what, trying to understand what Black people and Black voters across the country were interested in. So it was a very unique perspective and, and an over an amazing opportunity to really connect uh, with uh, my culture and connect with, with people across the country that led into um, my, my time at the White House, where I was the director of digital engagement. And that piece allowed me to, we are in a, in a very digital first time. Most people who are listening to this are listening on their phones, maybe their computers, maybe they're watching it on YouTube or streaming it on their TV, but some kind of digital first advice, digital first device and platform. Um, and that's really where you connect with people in this day and age. Um, and so I was tasked with coming up with our strategy and implementing how do we reach people outside of just the president or vice president in the White House's social media, and how do we actually connect directly to influencers, celebrities, community organizations, or new digital media companies and platforms to put, uh, to put our message there, um, to get information out, especially as we were fighting COVID, um, as we rolled out the vaccines, uh, rolled out assistance for, for America, the, the American Rescue Plan, um, but then also a, a variety of issues that communities across the country are, are looking to, uh, because you can basically no longer can you just write a press release, send it to CNN or Wall Street Journal and just expect everyone to see it, read it and, and understand it. You have to really talk with people. You have to really go to the platforms where people go to get their information uh, and show up and show up and be present there. And so uh, it was an amazing opportunity to work with the president, vice president, so many talented people across the administration, all of our various secretaries, uh, along with so many different sleds and new and young uh, influencers and, and people in the digital media space, uh, like I said, across the spectrum. And that led you to what you're doing now with Precision. And that's also where you're looking to influence. I know look to influence and change people's minds and move them to action. So that's part of what we're talking about here today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Bishop, you've always been about influencing people and about, um, about, uh, about keeping people's engaged into the social specter of things. And um, we will uh, talk here today about this in terms of gun violence and things that you're involved with. I know you have recently uh, said uh, and joined with other clergy and other Episcopal, other leadership about speaking against um, legislation in, in Indiana regarding gun violence. And I know that you have a heart for this and, and uh, Cameron, you have a heart for this as well. And so uh, Bishop, uh, where do we want to go with this? What kind of things would you like to talk with uh, Cameron about and about this whole issue about gun violence in America and about how can we, we can respond to it? Well, uh, gun violence in America, and I've said this on more than one occasion and written about it in recent weeks, is, is an existential crisis. It's a moral and public uh, policy failure, but right now I think it's an existential and moral crisis in our country. Uh, I wrote an article in 2015, believe it or not, Brad, when I was bishop in Iowa about gun violence, uh, participated in public protests in Des Moines, Iowa, a uh, much smaller city than where we 
we are now, or many of those who are watching from us. Prior to that, in Cleveland, Ohio, as part of a church-based community organizing, addressing gun violence. And I lived some of that reality to a much lesser degree growing up in Chicago as a youth and a young adult. So gun violence has been, been a part of our society and now has come to the point where it's really reshaped in a, much, in a negative way, uh, the way in which we are experiencing culture and life in America. July 1st, uh, beginning July 1st, Indiana residents 18 years or older uh, um, no longer required to obtain a permit to carry a gun in public. Uh, now, all the law enforcement officials have all said this is not making their job any easier and, and, and is not going to make us any less, uh, less safe than we, than we currently are. Religious leaders in Indiana, but also not just Indiana, across the country have implored congressional representatives and state officials in various states to substantially address the national gun violence crisis. Uh, An article I just read uh, from the Washington Post, July 8th, said the rising number of gun deaths in the United States extends beyond the high-profile mass shootings that we've been reading about in recent weeks. In fact, you know, before I could hardly uh, have the article published in our, on our website about the shooting in Buffalo, there was another shooting. And since Uvalde, there's been multiple shootings. In fact, I don't know how many shootings. I know there's been over 300 shootings this year alone that would qualify as mass shootings where more than four, I think four people are killed at, at a at minimum of four. Put people it this way. No one is ever surprised when we hear about a mass shooting anymore, are we? We're never really totally surprised. We, we may be still shocked by the action, but we're not surprised to hear the news that it happened. Yeah. The surge in gun violence occurs, and I'm quoting now from the Washington Post, surge in gun violence occurs as firearm purchases rose to a record levels in 2020 and 2021, with more than, can you believe this, more than 43 million guns estimated to have been purchased just in that time period, between 2020 and 2021. At the same time rate, gun deaths hit its highest level since 1995, with more than 45,000 fatalities. 60% of the... Uh, well, I mean, a large percentage of the gun deaths are suicides, and we have we have a just a, a just a horrendous, phenomenal uh, number of suicides, um, and 85 percent of suicides attempted with guns, uh, you know, are, end up as, as fatalities. You know, I don't know how many guns we have in America. One 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 data point said a 400 million plus, but I do know, and I, I serve on the largest health board largest health system in Indiana. But I do know that, that gun violence is now considered, it should have been considered sometime a national health crisis. Uh, and we also have, and we also have, everyone points to the mental health issue. Uh, most persons who have mental health crisis or mental health, mental illness are more likely to be victims than they are to be perpetrators. And even in the cases where persons did have mental health uh, problems or mental health uh, uh, crisis, uh, most of the times that they've been in states like our state and other states that I've lived in where there's been a shortage of resources for people who need mental health support. So uh, in conclusion, uh, before we hear from uh, Cameron, uh, we, we have a moral and leadership crisis which, with, with, uh, with the desires of the minority. This is my opinion and I own it. The desires of a minority of people and business interests 
overshadowing the common good and the safety of society. So when people say, well, nothing can be done about this, but nobody really wants to say, well, if we look to our northern neighbors in Canada, they believe in gun ownership, but they don't have this problem. Or Australia, a high percentage of people own guns, they don't have this problem. Or New Zealand, they don't have this problem. So I think, I think, it, I think it really comes down to uh, leadership and, and, and the, the willingness to do something different than what we've been doing. You know, what's the definition of insanity, Brad? I, I forget, what is it? It's doing the same thing over and same, over? Same thing. And expecting a, new, and expecting a new result. Could you respond to what uh, Bishop was talking about there, a little bit about what you, your thoughts are? Yes, it's, I think it's a, it's a complex issue, but it, well, people try to make it more complex than it is. Uh, quite simply, when you say 43 plus or whatever the number is in t- amount of guns that were sold just in the last year, we've got a country of about, what, 330, 350 million people. There's more than 10% of, of the entire population of guns in just a year. Um, we are by far around the world the, the leader in terms of the gun ownership and, and the amount of guns that are actually in our system, um, and the, which becomes an economic issue. Um, and you've, there's a, all those guns are sold, so there's a lot of money being spent. And so there's, wherever there is, there's money in a business interest, the, the waters will always try to be muddied. But I think it, it comes down to something so simple is that, uh, we have a right to live. Mm. We have a right to peace. We have a right to be able to, uh, as Americans and, and just, I think, as humans and, and children of God, we have a right to live and a, and a right to uh, be able to, to walk out our, our house and hope that we won't be shot. Um, I think this issue, unfortunately, has only been raised and, and is only we've seen an increase in my, my work with gun violence really started, I would say, um, w- when I really first saw it impact me uh, and things I was able to work on uh, was during my time in Congress, uh, working for Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson uh, of Dallas, um, where there was a summer where there was a shooter who had a, an assault rifle, I believe it was a, a AR-15 or, or something of that nature and shot several people in terms of several police officers in uh, in what was considered in what was a mass shooting at the time, um, as you fast forward um, into in, uh, into the spring and the spring, which unfortunately was on Valentine's Day of 2018, uh, down in Parkland, Florida, where several students and teachers were shot and killed. Um, but those students um, who, like I said, who were in high school at the time said that was enough and they stood up and, and created a, a million person march here in Washington, D.C., along with hundreds of marches around the country uh, to protest against gun violence. And 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 what people are asking for, um, some people, uh, there's an extreme of we need to get of all, all rid of all guns and go more towards several other countries like maybe the U.K. or other places in Europe and Asia where you Essentially, it's almost impossible to get a gun uh, as just a regular citizen. Or can we at least start with just common sense gun violence? I mean, it, it took so long. It takes so long just to get universal background checks. Uh, or can can we reinst- reinstitute the assault rifle ban or longer magazines that, that have 30, 30 shots in a clip? Like, what do people need 
these extreme, what we like to call weapons of war for. Um, and it, it has put us, it has put us in a place uh, where, it, like I said, common sense America at the very least and in the high nineties, all agree we need universal background checks. Will that solve all these gun violence problems? No, but will that, is that a start? Yes. Um, but it's, it's something that I've realized having, having been entrenched in the space for so long that there is no, there is no one, there's no one stroke of the pen. There's no one single law or, or something that is going to immediately eradicate this. This is a, this is a, both a legislative and, but also a people thing. This is a hearts and minds changing of, of how our culture, where, where guns were essentially written into our, um, our constitution or, or, or uh, constitution and right there as, as is used in the second amendment. Um, and this is a country that was born on, on violence. And I would say gun violence and, and how we need to really extract, extract that from the roots of, of, of who we are as a country to really get to a solution to where we're just not seeing this because as we pointed out at the top, the fact that it doesn't shock us, you mentioned something there about getting to the solution and Bishop and Cameron, I want to talk to you about that for a second, about how we, how we all, you know, the status quo is not working. You know, we know, we know that. And, you know, Cameron, you've been worked in, in you know, the white house and political realms and marketing and so on and Bishop and the church realm. What are some things do you think that we can do both? I'm just address this to both you, Cameron, and you Bishop. What are some actions that we can take? either individuals, individually, or as families, or as churches, or as pastors, or as Christian folks. Just give me some thoughts about what kind of actions we, we can actually take to make to make a difference. Because it, it happens in every home hometown, too. It's not just out there in some other town. It's in our own hometowns as well. There's an opportunity, and, and unfortunately, as we've seen, the Supreme Court just kind of push back some of these laws uh, just even in the recent weeks. Um, to allow uh, this New York mandate, uh, New York City had some of the strictest gun laws in the country in terms of you just can't have a firearm as a citizen, or it's really hard to get a firearm or a concealed carry license in that city, uh, which makes sense when you got eight, nine million people in a city. Um, you can't everybody have everybody walking around with guns in such close quarters. But what people individually can do now, um, what that what that law did is push a lot of that back to the states. So where, where legislation and, and, and where policy really changes is not really with the president or even with Congress and the Senate. It's with your local, it's with your local city council, your local state legislature. And those folks are really, really, really more impacted when local people stand up and speak and stand up and show their voice. And I think um, what the church can do, understanding what as providing as a moral leader, uh, for for millions of people across the country, is is to really lay out information and lay out a call to to its members to say, hey, we need to stand up and share our collective voice and talk to our mayor, our city councils, our state legislatures, state by state by state, community by community, asking for the basics. Hey, we need background checks. Hey, we don't think people should have thirty bullets in a gun. Like some of the things that all the polling, all the information shows that in the 70s, 80s, even high 90 percent that everyone agrees with our common sense to at least curb 
some of the that impact there. Will it solve everything? No, but that is just because we won't solve everything in one fell swoop does not mean we shouldn't push for anything. Um, I think that has also been something that has kind of muddied the water. So I think the church as a moral leader, um, understanding that we choose life and we choose the right to live and the right to safety and the right to peace, that we can encourage people to both educate themselves and to push and speak and talk to their local folks. Um, and that's emails, showing up for meetings, letter writing campaigns. Uh, those people listen to you. It might be a little, you might hear, think that your members of Congress or the president don't hear you. They hear you, but they're letting, those people are only voted in every two years, every four years, maybe every six years. Your local legislature, your local city council, your mayor has to listen to you, whether you're in a big city or a small town. What a unique and powerful conversation we were engaged in today here on the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trumbull and his son, uh, Cameron Trumbull, and myself regarding this issue, which is so prevalent in our life, gun violence. We hope that you'll tune in again next week for episode number 19 for part two of a response to the idolatry of gun violence in America. In this next episode, in episode 19, Cameron particularly gets into some responses that people can make individually in their churches about what you can do to respond uh, to gun violence in your local community, in your local setting. You're going to tune in uh, to that episode, number 19. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen to Be Encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D. or connect through Apple Podcast, where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble, and never forget, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.